Hello and welcome to Healthcare Beans. I'm your host, James Haven. In this episode, I interview Brian Guadagno, co-founder and CEO of It's Skinny. This is a health and wellness-oriented company that makes low-calorie alternatives for pasta and rice, two major staple foods that contribute to fantastic dinners as well as diabetes. We discuss the founder's story, their product line, and general thoughts on the direction of food technology and health. Here's our conversation. I hope you enjoy listening. Brian Bodagno, welcome to Healthcare Beans. Great to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Awesome. So Brian, you're the you're the CEO um, and co-founder of a company called It's Skinny. Um, now, can I say that this is a health food company? I'd say that's fair. Okay, great, great. Um, as I was saying earlier, I, I found you on Twitter. Um, I found your company on Twitter as well. Um, and and I started to look through it and I mentioned it to my wife. That was the first step. I mentioned it to my wife and and she was aware. She was aware of this. And I was like, geez, you know, you never told me about about this company, about these types of products. Um, and, and about Konjac. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah, you did. That's the way I pronounce it. The Japanese would pronounce it differently, but that's the way I pronounce it. Okay. Okay. We, we can, we can give ourselves some leeway here. Um, and so she knows about it. And, and the reason she knows about it is that she, she's had a weight problem. She's, she's always struggled with her weight, um, for as long as we've been married and for a good stretch of time before that. Um, and she puts a lot of effort into, into keeping the calories down and, and all that. Um, so, so when I thought about that, I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Um, let's have you on the show. Let's talk about it. Um, and let's see where we can find the synergy between, you know, your products, your product line, your vision for your company, um, and the future of healthcare and health and wellness in this country. Mm -hmm. um, so in your own words, uh, what can you tell me about your company, you know, your product line? I think it's super interesting, but Thank you. the listeners right now have no clue. <laughs> Yeah. So like similar to your wife, um, you know, I, I think everyone has some form of, of thought, uh, proactive thought or initiation or indoctrination into thinking about the way that they're consuming food. And it comes in many different forms or functions. But, you know, for me, I didn't really think about the way that I was eating until after college. I In 2014, when I was really starting to work, um, I was I was getting overwhelmed. I was stressed. I was drinking a lot of coffee and I had a gut issue. And so I went paleo for about a year and it fixed, it fixed the gut issue. And on that journey, what I call kind of my healthy living journey, I learned a lot. One of the things I learned is that <laughs> whole foods is not as whole, whole as it claims to be. Really? Uh, yeah. Well, well, look like whole, whole foods is great, but like, I mean, th there, there are certain problems within like the like the food industry within the United States, like one of them is this obsession with canola oil and vegetable oils and seed oils. Um, another one of them is the obsession with like grains and wheats and, mod and most most of which like that you're getting in the United States are modified and and not good for you at all. Um, so this kind of awareness coupled with my experience in I was an investment banker prior to getting into this, um, got into consumer goods had a real knack for it. And then seeing an opportunity in this marketplace to really do it a lot better. Because look, when you get really passionate about this stuff, you realize that when a business or a brand isn't doing everything that they can do to bring adoption to a particular category, 
you're actually doing a disservice to you, the consumer base. Like it, what I was going to say in the beginning, when you asked if we were a health food company, um, what, I, what I was trying to say is we're a proactive wellness company. Like that's, that's really how I would define us. You know, we, we have a message, what we're trying to communicate is proactive wellness. So there were other products in the marketplace, Conjac products that had an odor, they had slime, they, they weren't ready to eat. Um, they were not super approachable. You're alienating everyone except for those with dietary restrictions or those who are really freaking motivated, right? Right. So you're actually doing a disservice for so many people who don't want to make a radical lifestyle shift, don't want to make a radical dietary shift, um, but still want to do this, right? Like how many people do you know that eat pasta who don't want to feel heavy and bloated after they eat it, but they love it? And it's so ingrained in your DNA, Sunday spaghetti, right? Yep. Um, like there's something very nostalgic. There's something very comforting about it. Um, it's one of those foods that you continue to go back to, but you know, we identified an area where, um, we can make it better. And so, you know, that's really our objective is how do we continue bridging this gap into making, um, these alternatives far more approachable? How do you make them, uh, how do you make them easier to consume, easier to cook free from all the nasties? Um, and look, like I'll, I'll readily admit, like our main product has something called sorbic acid. I personally have no issue with sorbic acid. People who have a real dietary or who, who are like hyper-focused on, on sorbic might not eat it, which is why we're launching our organic line, um, which, which is free from that. Like constantly pushing that envelope. And, and we recognize that in order to accomplish or all of our goals, we needed to take a step, right? You need to take a step and then take another step and then take another step and constantly be iterating. So we, as a business and as a brand, like want to carry that torch um, and help people make those steps. That sounds great. That sounds great. Um, <laughs> you know, with what you said before about about some of the barriers there and, and some of the alternatives that people are looking at, I have this friend um, and and he's also struggled with his weight for for, for years. I mean, he was like, he's, he's a couple inches taller than me. That makes him like 5'10 and he was pushing 270 and he did this for like, I don't know, like 10, 12 years straight. And, um, and, and he's, he's great now. I mean, he's got his weight down, but he did it through intermittent fasting. Um, and he talks about that. He'll tell anyone and everyone about that. And he, he's always pushing this on me. <laughs> and I can say like, look, I'm just, I'm just never going to do it. I'm never going to do it. It's just too high a bar for me, for, for my level of willpower. I don't sure. want to do it. Um, I have to find products that really resemble the foods that I like to eat. It's the only way I'm going to do it. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And it made me think about... What do you think about impossible foods and beyond meat? Like what they're doing? Do you think that's a little close to, to your vision or? I don't. I think, I think when you're talking about healthy living, um, it's very different than sustainability. I think there is a subsect of the market who, who wants to push sustainability that as population grows, sustainability means less reliance on meat yep. uh, to them, to me. <laughs> I believe that there's that there's a right way and a wrong way to eat. I believe that right way and wrong way is different for everybody. Meat is good for you. Like anyone who tells you different, just not being truthful. Like meat is good for you. Some vegetables are good for you. Vegetables biologically attack your body. Some some of them do. If you look at if you look at things like legumes, like legumes block you know your body from absorbing certain nutrients. So do you consider that to be a good thing or a bad thing? liver meat is, is abundantly good for you. It's rich in nutrient. Like, so I, I personally, uh, don't subscribe to the sustainability push. I tried being vegan for three, four months. It didn't work for me. I, I've tried, I've tried a lot of different diets and, you know, for me, what works is, is what I kind of call like a modified paleo. 
Okay. Uh, where I'm consuming um, very natural things. I'm avoiding refined sugars. Um, I'm avoiding cheeses as much as I can, uh, but I'll indulge from time to time because I enjoy cheese. I'm, enjo- I'm I'm avoiding grains as much as I can, but I'll indulge in grains from time to time because I enjoy grains. Sure. Um, but the, the main things for me are the avoidance of seed oils and the avoidance of um, uh, refined sugars. Yeah. 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 Oh God. Yeah. I, I have to do that now. <laughs> my, my body completely rejects yeah. refined sugar, yeah. refined sugar. Um, and it started happening like mm-hmm. five years ago. Um, I'm sure there's a lot to talk about with respect to it's getting, but let's talk about mm-hmm. Konjac a bit. Um, because I had just heard of it. My wife told me a few things about it. Um, I'm sure mm-hmm. you know a lot about it. Um, I'm hearing a few things out there that it's, some people are calling mm-hmm. it like a miracle, uh, what, like a miracle pasta or something like that. Uh, that's another, that's another brand. We don't want to talk about those guys. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Deleting yeah. them from the show notes. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah. So look, um, so Konjac has been around. This is not a new thing. What we are doing is, is just making it more approachable. Konjac, it's an East Asian root. It's a root vegetable. It's like a yam, like a tuber. It, it actually cannot be consumed raw. I don't know the scientific reason. Just don't eat it raw. <laughs> yeah. Don't eat it raw. Um, okay. But, uh, but the way that it's prepared is basically the root is ground into a powder so first it's washed then um, like rinsed and ground to a powder. And then it's mixed with the way we make the noodle is that powder is, is mixed with water, which creates like a gel. And then that gel hardens based on what else you put in it. So we put like a, we, we put some, some fiber in it, right. Uh, or so, some starch rather. That's why we have, we have a little bit of oats in our product. Hardcore paleo, you're not gonna have oats, but we, we felt like it was a good additive um, to our product. Uh, we felt like it made the texture softer. It gave it a nice little uh, nice little color hue that makes it look more like pasta. So we, we fought, felt like this kind of approach was more uh, appealing to the mass market. And that's what we did. The other challenge that we had was like, how do you get rid of this smell? So that's that's where we added this extra ingredient and uh, and, and that got rid of the smell. But yeah, effectively, we were able to produce a product that we believe is far better than our competitors. What we realized was there is just so much pain amongst consumers that were having these other products. If we just introduced a product that addressed those minor things, that we can win consumers for life. That's kind of the angle and approach that we that we have been taking. Um, so like, just listen to our consumers make the adjustments that they want to see within the product and a badass customer service experience, um, which we're, we're working to flesh out now, but um, I'm hopeful that we'll have kind of in place within the coming months, just all the, all the bones and the foundation of a consumer first business that you can possibly have. Oh, wow. So that that makes me think, how, how long has your company been operating? A little under three years. And who's your... Well, this is probably an evolving but question here, but but who's your your target consumer? So we have uh, like if you if you were to segment our consumers, it, it would probably be four main segments. So the the first segment would be those with dietary restrictions. So keto, paleo, celiacs, Crohn's, diabetes, gout, like folks who need to consume uh, a low glycemic alternative. Um, you know, gluten-free doesn't do it right. Cause gluten-free you like there are gluten-free options that are terribly high in carbohydrates and calories and really not all that good for you and extremely excessive. So there are dietary restrictions that mandate, right. This kind of low carb option, low glycemic option. The next section would be, uh, and, and the keto, keto, paleo kind of crew, whole 30 crew kind of fall into this category a little bit. It's more like, I call it like the proactive macro accounting community. 
bodybuilders, like people who are really intense about, about how they're, how they're eating and really thoughtful about how they're eating is, is a, is a core consumer base. There's the, the, the straight diet community. We don't fancy ourselves a diet brand. Like I said, we fancy ourselves, um, a proactive wellness brand. Um, people ask, well, why call it? It's skinny. Well, the reason we call it it's skinny is because it's skinny is about lack of excess. It's about simplicity. So we wanted to push something that kind of, uh, appealed to that. And the fourth category would be that it would be the mainstream. It would be, um, I don't want to make a radical lifestyle shift, but I want something that's easier to cook than regular pasta that I don't have to, I don't have to force. Uh, I don't want to, you know, drop regular pasta from my diet, but I still want to eat, you know, half pasta from time to time, just without the the bloat. So th- those would be really the four uh, segments that I would, that I would say at this time that we're targeting. Gotcha. Yeah. I, um, so in all honesty, I really tried to get my hands on it's skinny <laughs> pasta in the past week. It's coming. It's arriving today. You order from our webpage or from Amazon? Uh, I ordered from Amazon. Okay. I ordered from Amazon yeah. a couple of days ago. Um, actually, uh, yeah, the day before yesterday. Um, so it'll arrive today. Uh, I did. I did want to see like where where can you get it? Like which store is it is it, is it available in? Are you able to to place this in groceries? Yeah, we're, we're in about five thousand stores right now. We're we're growing pretty quickly. Oh, that's awesome. Hopeful that we'll we'll have some more distribution here by the end of the year. But um, where are you located? I'm in Jersey. Oh, so we're in Shoprite. Yeah, I grew up in I grew up in Jersey. So we're in Shoprite. If you go up to New York, we're in Price Chopper. We we do seasonal programs at BJ's, so you'll be able to get us at BJ's wholesale come January. We have a lot of we have a lot of locations. I think I think in Jersey we are, we're also in Food Town there. Food Town. I haven't heard about Food Town in decades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I grew up with Food Town. What part of Jersey are you in? I was in northern. I grew up in northern Jersey. I'm in Princeton now. Okay, Princeton and uh, the Clinton area. So yeah. I'm from West Long Branch. Okay, but yeah, Sh- Shoprite would be would be probably the best bet. Cool. I was in Long Branch, uh, the beach, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was there like four days ago. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's a good area. Um, so that's great. Your 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 company. So three years. You know, certainly a lot of different places you can you can pick up your pasta. So what I did was I went online and I started looking at reviews mm-hmm. um, where people were just you know those those foodie reviews and they were just sort of showing like how they make it and it's it's cool in that it's already sort of cooked, right? It's already prepared. It comes in a packet. And it already looks mm-hmm. like noodles. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 to your remark, like you were saying, you know, there's some barriers to adoption with respect to like a smell or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but according to the reviews that that I saw, there was like this is pretty much solved. Mm-hmm. They said, you know, there's a very light sort of like smell that you just don't know what that is. Um, and it hardly matters because you don't eat it by itself. You're going to put it with tomato sauce. You're going to put it with something with olive oil, with salt, with something you don't eat raw pasta or pasta by itself. You're not going to eat, um, this product by itself. The other thing is you're, you're making rice too, right? We are. Yeah. 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 What's that? Is that, is that available or is that like still? Oh yeah. It's, it's available. I mean, it's, it's the same, it's the same product. It's just small cut like rice. So it's just, it's just a, it's a functional thing, right? Like the rice the rice, you're not going to use it as like a, a plain white rice substitute. You're not just going to eat it plain. Um, right. the, the best way for that, like if you're making a stir fry, if you're making a, a, a like a like a soup or a broth and you need an additive, it's excellent in that. I like a, like a chili and you're and you want to add um, <clears throat> some rice into. I, I think it's a it's a phenomenal additive. People eat it in all kinds of different ways. But but yeah, the the rice was something that we wanted to have in our set for for those who prefer that kind of experience, like the rice experience to the pasta experience. 
um, from a brand perspective, where we want to live is really at that intersection. How do you, it, it's the same conversation. How do you get people to eat better? How do you capture their attention? How do you make them want to consume what you're, what you're offering, <clears throat> you know, making the experience closer to what's familiar. Cool. Um, so going back to the consumer segments, that first one, mm -hmm. that's the one that I'm super interested in. Mm -hmm. Um, because you know, these dietary restrictions, they're often, you know, sometimes they're self-imposed, like, all right, I, I can't eat this stuff, so I need to go out. And, you know, that's a, a clear and easy consumer right there, mm -hmm. um, you know, as long as they can find you, find your product. Um, but the other is like, you know, really like dietary suggestions. And that's really the bulk of people. So I'm thinking mostly about diabetics. Um, you know, they, they're taking met metformin or some other medication. So they have their sugar, you know, relatively under control mm -hmm. for now. It's a progressive disease. It's going to get worse. Sure. Um, and they and they need to adopt a better lifestyle to sort of prolong mm -hmm. uh, the bad that comes with that, which is finally you know you're beyond insulin. And so so I think about when I, when I hear this, when I think about your company, I think about health systems. Mm -hmm. I think about the work that they're doing mm -hmm. and what they're trying to achieve with behavior modification, trying to get their patient populations to essentially convert a large share of their relatively poor eating habits into something that's that's better for them. Mm -hmm. Um, and to do that with with as less friction as possible. Mm -hmm. So that's really what they're trying to do. But they don't know how to do it. Like they'll get, <laughs> they have absolutely no idea how to do it. Yeah. They'll get um, like nursing managers that are part of a, of a health system to make phone calls to diabetics. Hey, how's it going? Let's visit your home. <laughs> yeah, you'd, you'd be surprised how many people that that are diabetics don't even realize that there's an alternative like this out there. And the good thing about it is, I mean, it's it's got absolutely zero sugars, right? It's got two grams of fiber. So, and it's insoluble fiber. It, it helps with digestion. It, it helps you. It helps you in multiple ways. Right. right. Not having, uh, not having the the you know the sugar sugar spikes and crashes. The the consumer research we did showed that twenty percent of consumers know that this sort of product offering is available, which is radically low. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the stat that I had on the number of diabetics in the country. the 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 point that I'm trying to make is there yeah. there are a subset of diabetics that that fall into that that 80% of people who don't know that the product exists. So we're, we're kind of fighting the same fight. If you think about it. Yeah. Awareness, yeah. behavior change, um, you know, making it from your side, you're, you're making a product that really just simulates the experience that they want to have, you know, day in, day out. Yeah. Um, and, and from the side that I'm in with healthcare, you know, we just want them to, to live longer, to have less acute utilization, meaning, you know, end yeah. up in, ending up in the ER, far less often, ending up in inpatient far less often, changing to more aggressive medications far less often. All of those things cost a lot of money to the healthcare system. If if there's one, if there's one fight that we could all, you know, either make it a priority or at least pitch in and, and not make it worse, um, it's really, in my mind, it's reducing healthcare spending in whatever way is possible. Thinking about the sugar tax, you know, there mm -hmm. was there was times when we saw that in New York City, you know, we're gonna ban, mm -hmm. we're gonna we're, we're gonna tax soda, we're gonna take this off the menu, we're gonna do like that's just not the way to go. Unfortunately, it's yeah. not the way to go. Yeah, people don't want to live like that. Right, because, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the carrot is better than the stick. Right. <laughs> and so people don't like if people don't want to make a change, um, prohibition. Like people are still gonna drink alcohol, right? And it's not like it's gonna go anywhere. You can't force them to to change a habit. So yeah. you have to incentivize them to want to change a habit. But, right. And that's why, you know, as, as, as much as I believe I've seen intermittent fasting work so well for some people, fantastically well, 
It's just not, <laughs> it can never be the solution. Or, or like you eat something like it's skinny and, and you fill up and technically you're still kind of fasting and your digestive system is working. You're drinking a lot of water. We're actually doing something with a, with a guy, uh, an influencer named Jorge Cruz. Now he, he talks about zero hunger and, and he talks a lot about intermittent fasting, um, and how you can have our product while you're fasting. Um, I haven't drilled, I haven't drilled too much into that one. Okay. Yeah. Zero hunger. I'm going to look that up. Zero hunger. Yeah. 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 Check that no, out. It's a glide path for sure. No, your products are a glide path. If I could find a, <clears throat> find a quick term for it. So, so thinking about where, where your, where your company is now, I mean, if in the future, if I could ever connect you to, to people that work in population health and health systems, you know, if you're, if you're mm -hmm. open to those sorts of partnerships, I'm very happy to push those your way. Um, yeah. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe that looks like, uh, Maybe that means food service opportunities. Like what, what hospital dining halls can we add, add this kind of alternative to as a ready meal option so that diabetics have something that they can eat. Yep. That's a, it's a channel that we're, we're thinking about. We're just not ready to really push yet. Yeah, no, for sure. I'd love to get the people in the healthcare systems to, to think about this, to think about this practically. Like what, what, do you, what can you do beyond because calling people, calling patients, putting up signs of eat healthy, um, speaking to them 15 minutes every month or 30 minutes at most for a doctor's appointment um, every one month, two months, three months, that's that that'll never do it. Uh, so there there's programs where where they're paying for food, they're paying for groceries. Um, and that's all baked in. Essentially, if we provide these groceries, we assume that you're going to eat healthier, live healthier and cost a healthcare system less. It's all incentive based. Um, and so those are opportunities where you can start to fit fit a product like yeah. this in um, in home services. They're sending people to, to homes now. Um, I don't know what level of nurses, but but nurses, nurse managers, those clinicians of some type are entering homes. They're observing the eating habits and the living habits and lifestyles of people that that are at high risk for you know emergency or inpatient services in a given year. They're they're relatively unhealthy, yeah. um, and so they're looking out for problems. And certainly, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to go to the fridge. They open the fridge and like, what are yeah. you eating? And let's see what we can do. And that's someone that comes to your yeah. home maybe at least once or twice yeah. a week. That's powerful. That kind of person's powerful. And those programs are, they're, they're growing in popularity now. I think they've been up and running for a couple of years, but they're, they're becoming more important under risk sharing. One of the things that we want to do, which maybe, maybe could be cool. Um, so like I mentioned, we, we want to be about proactive wellness and part of proactive wellness is not just what you're eating, but how much you're eating. Right. And most people don't realize that they're not eating enough actually. Right. Like for instance, I'm a big guy. I work out pretty regularly. You know, I need to be eating 3000 calories a day. It's hard to eat 3000 calories a day. I should say it's hard to eat 3000 good calories. Right? There you go. Right? Yeah. And so <clears throat> the, the, the question is like, how are you consuming? And it, and it also becomes relatively expensive. So one of the things that, that we want to do is um, giveaways and offers where annual meal subscriptions annual uh, nutrition coachings to, you know, to people who are engaging with our brand or winning certain contests or something along those lines. So yeah, no, that's interesting. That's interesting. Do you have any of that on your website? No, not yet. We're, we're, we're putting that together. That uh, That's not live yet. Gotcha. Gotcha. Your website looks beautiful, by the way. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You paid for that, right? <laughs> no, I did that. Yeah. We paid for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Appreciate the honesty. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's great. So I, I don't have many more questions, but you know, for any company that's that's been operating in the last three years, 
Um, so you opened this up during the pandemic or at the start of the pandemic? Just before the pandemic. It actually was, it helped us because while we were starting, we overordered. So we had a lot of supply when a lot of other suppliers didn't. Um, well, that's lucky. Others being out of stock, we, we just, we kind of stocked up because we were getting ready to launch. So we were able to sell. And for the most part, we were the only game in town for a little while. Kind of like, kind of like Forrest Gump with a shrimp boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, That's uh, a classic. Yeah. <laughs> Bubba Gump shrimp. <laughs> Bubba Gump shrimp. We're not there yet, but we're on our way. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so the big issue, I think, for, for, for all companies, um, so I have no sense of your, like, how are you putting these things together? But um, supply chain, how's that? Has that impacted you? Sure. It impacts of everyone. Of course, right? I was a maritime banker though before I got into consumer goods, so we're we're able to navigate it better than most um, between relationships with um, you know folks at at our at the booking desks of major ship liners, between understanding you know how to how to run you know which ports of call to come to based on congestion to being able to turn wheels in in different ways and and being far out in front of it. For instance, like during the pandemic everyone everyone took price increases right away we waited um for a really long time which helped us with turn because i knew um and it's basically what's happening now and and there's gonna be another cycle where we're hitting it again basically shipping rates went really high and when everyone was talking about inflation sure there's increased money supply everyone knows that but increased money supply in and of itself does not mean you're going to have inflation period the reason we had inflation was because suppliers were getting pinched in their midstream cost. So a lot of that had to do with ocean freight. Like it used to cost us, you know, two, three grand to bring a container from China to New Jersey, maybe less than two grand to bring it from China to LA. All of a sudden, Port of LA is totally backed up. You can't even get a container in. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. I saw that news. Yeah. 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 And now that's happening in New York where you can't get containers back because they won't take the liners won't take back empties. So you, you, there's a lot of congestion right now in New York. But the point, the point I'm trying to make is like we paid like tw- up to over twenty thousand dollars for containers at one point. For 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 a good long while, we were paying between fifteen and twenty. And the reason I tell you that is because that was justification enough for most suppliers to take price increase. But what's happening now is those those midstream costs are coming back in. And suppliers who are not offering that price protection back to their consumers or price price benefit back to their consumers, right. or passing that margin back onto their consumers are going to lose. They're going to lose. Um, so we're we're price promoting really heavily. You know, we we did take a price increase, but we're passing it all back on through price promotion right now um, because we want our consumers to to benefit from uh, where the market's heading. So like people talk about inflation. Because of my experience in in like global shipping, um, and global shipping's impact on the macroeconomic environment, I just I think we've been able to manage it way better than most, and I feel very very prepared. Um, so, um, yeah, we've been impacted higher costs, but um, I think it's a comparative advantage relative to others. All right, all right. So it sounds like I mean, you know, when I hear you speak and and, and your knowledge of this, it sounds like it's going to be around for for a good number of years. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you going to stay, are you going to stay at skinny? Are you looking at like selling this thing off at some point to a big company or what What are your future plans? Or is that too much, too deep a question? No worries if it's too You're far. You're good. No, I'll just, I'll, we'll see what the future holds. But for right now we're, we're focused on, on our mission and on building. Yeah. Right, great. Well, you know, I hope, I absolutely hope um, that in your near future, 
you know, for your building efforts around Inskinny, that it can pipe itself into support uh, healthcare reform and health and wellness on that front. Yeah, James, I appreciate you doing this, man. Like, let's um, let's keep touch. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for